Hey guys, before we start this episode, the Black Maria team wish to extend our heartfelt condolences to the victims, families and friends of all those caught up in the Grenfell Tower fire on Wednesday the 14th of June. As Ecclesiastes says, there is a time for everything and on this occasion it is a time to weep and a time to mourn. As details continue to emerge concerning the tragedy, we pray that the God of all comfort will look upon you with compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For those in despair and for those who will no longer see their loved ones, we pray that God would have mercy and bestow grace and peace at this difficult time. A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Hey guys, welcome to episode 8 of the Black Maria podcast. It's Dami and I'm sitting here with Israel and Kofi. Um, how are you guys doing this evening? I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> I'm alright. <laughs> it's a very, very hot hot time in London sticky. right now. Very sticky. I'm in this room and I'm boiling already, but uh, <laughs> we're, def- we're going to get through this podcast today. Um, so how you guys been? Kofi, been a long time since you've been on the podcast. Yeah, bro. I've been uh, sitting some professional exams. Okay, mm. cool. That sounds like money already. <laughs> anyway, um, they've gone okay. I find out my results a little later, but it's just meant I've not been able mm. to devote as much time to the podcast, sadly. But I'm back. I'm back. Good to have you. Okay, again. Israel, okay. how's it going? It's going well. Um, finished exams. Um, trying to enjoy summer, but I've just had like a few things here and there that I've been doing. Um, yeah, I mean, apart from that, it's just been yeah, it's been calm. What have you been doing in summer so far, then, guys? I don't really have a summer. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you've got professional exams. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Israel, has there been anything interesting that you've been up to recently? Um, I've been doing a lot. Again, I'm a nerd in it. So <laughs> I've been doing a Own lot it, more. Bro. I've, been, I've, been, I've been doing a lot more reading, which I've enjoyed. Okay. Um, I've also been going to some theological conferences. Um, so this week I went to one in Ealing for about three days, and then some ministers' meetings for about two or something. So I've like I've been trying to yeah get more into the kind of stuff that interests me. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Sounds That's good. good. Sounds good. Well, cool. So today's um, podcast is going to be on the recent events that have taken place in the UK political scene. Obviously, um, our last podcast was on the UK's 2017 general election, which actually kind of ended up in hung parliament. So we still don't necessarily have a government at present. (laughs) Um, We're still waiting for the Queen's speech. Um, So, I mean, Theresa May is kind of in power, but she's kind of not. She's still kind of seeking some kind of coalition. But actually, we're going to be focusing today on um, the recent events in the Lib Democrat Party with Tim Farron's recent resignation as leader of the Liberal Democrat Party. Yep. Um, he announced his resignation following the resignation of Brian Paddock, one of the UK's most senior uh, gay police officers and a Liberal Democrat peer. Um, Tim Farron said that he felt it would be impossible for him to continue in the role as Liberal Democrat leader while living as a faithful Christian. Um, while he said he would continue to serve as a leader until the next parliamentary process um, when a leadership election would be held. This follows various interviews and a series of questions in which 
um, Tim Farron was asked to explain his views as it pertains to homosexuality. Um, so I guess we'll kick the podcast off um, just by asking this question. Do you think that Tim Farron was treated unfairly on the basis of his Christian beliefs? Israel, this is all you? <laughs> yes, I, I, I would say so. Um, I think considering all the things that were going on in, in the campaign season, um, there was an unusually high amount of time spent on his um, Christian convictions, more than usual than, than is usually done for most um, sort of candidates. So I think of, for example, Theresa May, who really just had one interview and she said it once, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm part of the Church of England and I am um, an active member. And I think my faith has a bearing on politics. And that was all that was ever said pre, this is pre the Tim Farron incident. Right. Um, there was a bit of a backlash, some articles on Independent or The Guardian or wherever. And it was settled and it was over and it was just done with and people left it. And that's the kind of image you have of um, politicians talking about their faith. Like a one statement thing that brings discussion for about three days and we move on because there are other things to talk about from foreign, um, you know, foreign... Policy. Foreign policy. <laughs> Flowing. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> it happens, it happens, carry on flowing. But yeah, all these other things that take the majority of any campaign. Okay. Um, and so to see so much emphasis placed on his faith was a bit odd. It was like, okay, we get it. You had the interview, you, met, you, you, you asked it once, we had the three or four articles. Okay, but you're bringing it up again and you're bringing it up again. Why? What gives him this sort of special place where it has to be emphasised more than the usual politician. I think that's quite interesting. I think for me, I don't really have a problem with a person's religious beliefs coming up in the conversation because invariably your religious beliefs form a part of your worldview and that will consequently have an impact on any policies that you pursue. I think my great issue with the way Tim Farron was treated stems actually from the... I think intolerant way in which his position was critiqued. I don't think in society there ought to be always consensus. I think people have a plethora of different views on a variety of different issues. But I think there ought to be that respect for someone to be able to hold their opinion and hold it passionately and you to be able to disagree with that person's opinion and do so passionately while at least respecting their right to hold their opinion. And I think what we've had with Tim Farron and a plethora of issues um, concerning his religious views, and particularly regard to um, homosexuality and so on, has been a dogged attempt to bring him round to the, I think, public consensus, I think it's fair to say, or the growing public consensus on this particular position. And I think that's where the difficulty stems. Um, I mean, I'm agreed with you in the sense that uh, questions on his religious views are legitimate because ultimately like you said they will potentially inform the way he responds to policy decisions or voting in parliament for example i'm not necessarily sure that they wanted to bring him round to a more societal consensus on homosexuality i think it was more so the, f the fact that and i think he kind of alluded to this in his speech that as the leader of a liberal progressive party, he felt that it was difficult for him to be able to balance his evangelical conservatism with, which he, with what appeared to be an antithetical position on certain issues. Can I jump in? Go ahead, go ahead. I, I think you're actually, I think you're, you're right on that, but I do think that's 
one of a number of issues. Okay. I think the issue that I was focusing in on was the fact that I think in some of the critiques that were offered of his position, right. there was an undue focus on the fact that he didn't actually hold the opinion that was held by many. Okay. And I don't think that should matter. Or if it does matter, I think his position should be critiqued as opposed to him as a person. Right. Now, if you look at his voting record yeah. as yeah. a politician, mm. he has not done anything right. that would suggest that he disproportionately treats um, mm. people of one sexuality to another yeah. sexuality differently. And I think if someone holds a position on this either way, if they can actually govern or mm. as far as you can govern as being part of the parliamentary uh, process by your voting and so on, can treat people in the same way that gives a respect for each person's humanity while also having your views as opposed to the expression of that humanity in particular areas. That should be the issue. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, I think a few people have already mentioned it. I read a few articles on this. Just contrasting Tim Farron's political history as it stands to a number of politicians and saying, as a matter of fact, if you compare him to you know, the other candidates and um, sort of the more, um, those who are actually in um, places of power, so like the Secretary of State and the other secretaries in the current government, um, you find out that Tim Farron is far above beyond all of them when it comes to his looking, you know, fighting for LGBT people. And so prior to this event, it wasn't as though anyone even questioned whether he could stand as the Lib Dem leader. It literally came from this one incident that then carried on that said, okay, everything else prior to that means nothing, which is a bit of a... It's undermining his, his own political career um, to say that this one statement determines everything you've done. So um, you guys would say it was almost, uh, or would you say rather, that it was a media witch hunt, the way in which he was questioned? Or do you think it was a, there was a legitimate attempt to ascertain how his views could impact his ability to inform policy on groups that might be associated with those views that he held? So for example, I, I, don't, think, I don't think there was ever any, I don't want to say danger, I don't think there was any ever realistic chance of Tim Farron becoming um, Prime, Minister. Prime Minister of the you UK. Say, you say you didn't vote Lib Dem? I didn't vote Lib Dem, no. <laughs> but um, I, I didn't ever envisage that that would be the issue. I guess for some people, which is kind of like what they grab his now potentially with yeah. a conservative DUP coalition is, if Tim Farron's in a position of influence, ultimately, so mm. for example, say there was a coalition government, would some of the views he has held to or made pronouncements about affect particular minority groups and so do the do the media then do we say have a legitimate um mandate mandate not from his political career like as in and this is what we use for most politicians anyway we look at what they've done when people assessed Theresa may and jeremy corbyn people are going back in like you know um what was Theresa may's position again home secretary Yes. Yeah, yeah prior. Yeah. Going back to those times saying, look what you did here, look what you did here, you know, what policies you pushed. When concerning Corbyn, they went back and said, look at the... the um, Comments the you made on the yeah, and, and stuff, All yeah. these things. So it, this is standard campaigning, you know, antics. You go back in their history and say, okay, what have they done? What have they voted for? What have they voted against? And you assess them based on that because that's the most reliable source of their political career in the future. So this is like a just a different thing altogether. It's like for the first time, it's like okay, his political history doesn't matter, which is just 
unconventional here. I think I would add on top of what Israel has said, if you're thinking about the way parliament works and the fact that there are 600 plus MPs and for legislation to pass in the House of Commons prior to going to the House of Lords, there needs to be a majority vote. Mm. One person has the ability, yes, to influence, to offer an opinion, to try to persuade, but one person cannot by himself uh, cannot by himself push through any form of legislation. I think the important thing to consider is with regards to any, I think, particular viewpoint that a person holds as a politician, is is that representative of a particular demographic within the society? And more pertinently, perhaps, that uh, particular demographic as concerned to their own constituency. So I think is, there's, a, there's a difficulty, I think, inherent in the role of being an MP, mm. where you have to balance your own personal views alongside that of your constituents. I think now if that was the gripe that the media had focused on and has suggested that, you know, your particular people that you are meant to be advocating for hold this particular position yeah. and you don't hold that position, how can you... Fairly represent them. Fairly represent them. Right. And then maybe at, at that particular stage, then... Uh, Mr. Farron has to say something to the effect of considering the scale of this issue to my constituents. If it's that important, then perhaps I have to step down from this particular constituency. Right. And the Lib Dems would have to find another constituency for him. But if it's simply a matter of him not holding a viewpoint, and again, this can go to anything. This is this is how I think about it. If If it's just simply him not holding a viewpoint that people don't like, that's not it's not how we go about it. You don't you don't hound someone out. What you want to do is allow someone to put forward their opinion and to actually critique it, to debate it, because if a of an opinion is actually true, then it should be able to withstand critical debate and it should be able to actually persuade those who hold a different position. So the interview that caused much of the controversy, um, where Tim Farron sat down with the Channel Four presenter. Um, in, that in that discussion, he had said that he didn't wish to pontificate on theological matters because ultimately people were inqu inquiring about what his political positions were. Yeah. Now, off the back of what you've just said, do you think that there was any even scope for, for him to be having to discuss such subjects as they were germane to the general election 2017? I think an understanding of his position with regards to sexuality was important because it reflects the interests of a number of people within society. Mm -hmm. So I think there should have been some questioning with regards to that particular area of his personal political beliefs and how that will manifest itself in the Liberal Democrats' policies were they to go into government. Right. But I also think that there should have been, I think, more focus on a number of other issues that also have an effect on the way the Liberal Democrats would govern. So in terms of the percentage of media coverage that was devoted to his views on this area, as compared to something like the Liberal Democrats' views and his personal views on economic policy, on uh, foreign policy, yeah. on issues of climate change, on uh, negotiating with Donald Trump and the USA with regards to, or rather President Trump and the USA with regards to trade deals and so on and so forth and the special relationship, I think there was a massive right. disparity. Right. And I realise I've said two, the same thing, isn't disparity is a great difference, massive great difference. But <laughs> I think that goes to stress the, the point I'm trying to make. So I think, yeah. I would also add about this issue of you know pontificating. I think 
the, the role of a politician isn't to be a religious leader. And I think historically there's been problems when um, the lines between the church and the state mm. have blurred. Mm. But I do think it's important to note, as I said before, that people's worldviews, which are influenced by their religious beliefs, have an effect on how they govern. And if someone wants to say something to the effect of, well, that should be dis- disregarded, what you're in essence saying is actually... You're not allowed to take this part of who you are as a person. Rather, you need to adopt the secular worldview, which again is something that will influence the way someone seeks to govern as the way to go about it. So it's not bringing it to a neutral and saying, this is how we're going to go from this level playing field. What you're actually saying is you can't have this. You need to come to my way of thinking and manoeuvre from there. And Mm. I think that's unfair. Yeah. um, What's so interesting is that sort of around the beginning of... um, the shift in political th- like sort of like early 2000s you had this shift of pe- people being told that you know if you're religious you can enter politics but don't don't bring your religious views but act you know in a, in secular terms but now it's not just act like a secular person but now it's believe secular things right because it wasn't enough for you know Tim or whoever else happens to hold these beliefs to act secular that wasn't sufficient anymore. It was like, okay, no, you're acting, you're acting like the rest of us and you're devoted like the rest of us, but that's no longer sufficient. And now we need you to actually think like us right. and to believe the same things that we do. It almost sounds like they're saying we need you to convert. It's quite a religious term. I like that. Thought policing. Um, okay, cool. So having discussed... <laughs> George that. Orwell, 1984, <laughs> GCSE. Hey. Um, so moving on to um, another consideration from his um, resignation speech... Tim said that um, the consequences of the focus on my faith is that I have found myself torn between living as a faithful Christian and serving as a political leader. Um, He then went on to say, to be a leader, particularly of a progressive liberal liberal party in 2017, and to live as a committed Christian and to hold faithful to the Bible's teaching has felt impossible for me. Um, So it kind of makes me wonder then, is it actually impossible to be a political party leader of a left centrist party or of any political party and be a faithful Christian? It's a good question. I think the key thing in what Tim said, <laughs> Tim, he's not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put some respect on Tim's yeah, name. Yeah, Mr. Farron or, or Tim Farron. Yeah. I think the key thing about what Tim Farron said in his statement there was his acknowledgement of the difficulty that primarily stems from him being a leader of a progressive liberal group. And I think potentially Christians may find themselves in a position where they'll find it hard, um, in fact, quite difficult, maybe not necessarily impossible, but quite difficult to lead such groups because party leaders ought to embody the vast majority of the values of the political group that they lead. And if a progressive liberal group deems the particular views on homosexuality that have been espoused to be essential to that particular party, then a Christian who holds the views that Tim Farron appears to hold cannot find themselves in a position where they can lead such a group because of the inherent, I think, difficulty in amalgamating the two positions, Mm. which are (laughs) unamalgable. That's not a word, but I've said it anyway. (laughs) Which cannot be amalgamated, (laughs) I think. (laughs) That's that's better. That's better. 
Um, but I do think, as you mentioned in your question, you mentioned any other political group. Yeah. I do think there's still a space for Christians within politics. And I think, in fact, it's important that Christians don't find themselves so discouraged by potentially the treatment that Tim Farron has had, that they think politics is no longer a place where the Christian voice is important. I think, actually, if we're looking at the at applying Christ's command to his followers to be salt in the world, mm. um, or is it salt of the earth, light of the world, yeah, um, they ought to be um, those who are helping to preserve society from going down uh, moral decay in a number of different areas. Right. And this is uh, one area, politics that is, yeah. where Christians ought to have a voice. Yeah. And if you think particularly of the fact that Christians have the mind of Christ, then Christ is the king of kings, the one who actually by his sovereignty governs the whole universe as it's happening, who better than to help govern England, the UK and the wider world than Christians. Yeah. So I think that's 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 where the balance has got to be struck between understanding the views that are central to Christianity, but also understanding the duty of Christians to be engaged in the public sphere where they're gifted to. Yeah. I mean, I think we can perhaps be guilty of the inverse of what we were um, suggesting happened to Tim in the sense that um, it was unfortunate that the focus solely seemed to be on Tim's views, Mr. Farron's views on um, <laughs> on homosexuality. It's hard, isn't it? And, and, and it was almost as if the media didn't believe that um, his political ideology extended to other areas yeah. outside. Yeah. Um, and so we don't want to be guilty of just saying, well, because you have X view on um, such a topic in a, in a, on the political spectrum that you can't actually inform other policy choices. Of course, Christians will be um, able to speak to a plethora of issues mm -hmm. um, uh, with a Christian perspective. And so it, it, it will be important for us to still encourage believers that there is space for them in the political sphere. They just also have to be mindful of uh, the degree to which um, those views will be fairly, fairly represented but also understood. Uh, Israel, do you have... It's okay to say you don't. Right? Yeah, it's cool. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. think, I think the heat's getting to it. The heat is, listen, <laughs> it's definitely boiling in here. Where I'm sure room temperature's at like 35, 40. So having had this discussion um, with a few other people just in um, our local church, actually it was interesting to hear that, it, interesting to hear some people say that they thought that... Um, Tim coming out and announcing his resignation uh, might have been indicative of Tim renouncing the position that he took in the recent Channel 4 interview and also um, indicative of repentance on his part. Now, do you guys, having viewed this episode, think that there's something that can be learnt about repentance um, on Tim Farron's part? or? Um, I... I don't know that his resignation is necessarily him repenting or could be taken as... I don't know, part of me part of me feels that there was probably a lot of inside party pressure for him to resign anyway. Um, I could imagine that there would be a number of people in the party who were deeply concerned and angry that he even went through this whole saga. And then others who were saying, look, we just don't need this kind of attention. It's unnecessary... This is like, for them, it's, you know, it's basically, this is the most, like, littlest thing. We don't need this kind of problem. Right. Um, but, assuming so, because obviously I don't know what happened behind the scenes, um, assuming that it is, it is him sort of saying, you know, I'm going to actually repent for that. I think it stands as a, as a witness 
to Christians primarily, but to the world of the preeminence that Christianity holds to people of faith. Yeah. Um, I think there's this growing understanding that Christianity is almost um, a side gig for a lot of people. And really, truly, it's not. Historically, from the early church, it's never been understood that way. And in all cultures, even in a Muslim-majority country, it is understood that someone's faith is deeply central to them. Right. Um, and so that takes preeminence above everything else. And, and I think Tim is actually, Mr. Farron, is actually, <laughs> um, you know, witnessing to that statement and saying, look, faith is not another topic like foreign policy that we can debate and even compromise on. It takes preeminence above everything else. And I'm going to prove it by actually putting it above my political position now. Mm, mm, certainly, certainly. Um, and I think that's a sentiment that is quite accurately reflected by his use of the words from Isaac Watts's hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. So at the end of his resignation speech, he's talking about, you know, what would lead him to relinquish the honour of leading the Liberal Democrat Party. And it goes on to say that it would have to be something so amazing, so divine. It demands my heart, my life, my all. And I guess even if we can't view this as an episode reflective of repentance, I think what will be a great encouragement to Christians both here and who are looking at it from outside of the UK, is that, you know, Tim was placed under immense media scrutiny and perhaps pressure within his party. Um, and he compromised on what would be, you know, biblical orthodoxy and showed his weakness. Um, but then the Lord has restored him and granted him boldness to stand for the truth of his Christian convictions. And, you know, he's prepared to um, promote those publicly at the expense of his own political career. Um, so I think that's something that we can take great heart from. Having considered all that um, we've discussed previously, I guess we're at this kind of, um, dare I say, crossroads um, in our political thinking. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering, is it possible for conservative Christian values um, to exist within liberal liberalism or will they always compete? Their men are parched. <laughs> Uh, yes and no. I feel, I feel, okay, so in and of itself, just, just by virtue of um, the starting positions of Christianity and liberalism, um, the values they both hold, there are going to be points of conflict. Um, but I feel like as with any two different value systems, um, there will be overlaps in areas where they agree and there will be overlaps in areas where they disagree. So Christianity will never completely holistically cohere with liberalism. Um, but at the same time, it's not as though there aren't some overlaps where they can say, OK, we agree on this thing, on this one issue. For example, um, the value of human life. Christians and those who are like secular liberals will say, yes, we should value human lives as a statement. They'll both agree with that. The rationale will be different. So Christians will point to the Margot Day and say, because humans are made in the image of God, yeah. therefore they're worthy of dignity and respect. And the liberal may point to a number of things. For example, um, Peter Berger, Princeton um, professor says, because humans feel and because we are rational, therefore we have dignity and respect. Now, obviously, as, as a Christian, I would disagree with that basis, but the con we hold the same conclusion. Right. Um, and so as politicians, we could effectively petition for the same laws and same sort of actions, even though we're working from two different foundations. Um, but then at the same time, there's going to be disagreements even on that issue. So because I believe humans are worthy of dignity and respect because they are made in the image of God and nothing within them, like their rationality and stuff like that, I'm going to say that means 
that the baby in the womb is worthy of that same dignity and respect and the old person who is meant who, who is mentally incapable is worth the same dignity and respect. Whereas Peter Berger may now disagree and say no, there isn't rationality, there isn't any sense of like they can feel um, and therefore they're not. Yeah. So there's overlap and there's disagreement. Right. Um, and so it you know, I, I think what Chris has to realise is that we, we we need to show the parts where we do agree because I think right now the the, the problem is we is it, people know where we disagree right um, i think the secular world the christian circles we know where the disagreements are we know the debates over um abortion and all these other issues but what isn't highlighted from both sides and what i think should be highlighted from both sides so okay we here are the areas we do agree and this is part of the reason why we can work together in the political sphere i mean <clears throat> i think my understanding of um, liberalism and liberal ideology is the fact that um, people would be allowed to think and do things insofar as they don't impinge upon the liberties of other people. I think that is basically the classic principle of liberalism. And I think how liberalism was undermined in this episode was that Tim Farron's personal convictions became unsayable. Um, first of all, this was a personal matter of conviction um, that didn't need to be politicised in the way that it was. But then, not only was it politicised, it was then demonised um, because, like Kofi has already mentioned, it wasn't with the kind of public consensus. So I think in that sense, it's difficult for me to say that if the current climate of <clears throat> pluralism and tolerance means that we are intolerant of views that aren't in line with what we consider to be uh, liberi liberally democratic, then it's hard for me to see how Christianity can peacefully coexist within liberalism or liberal ideology. But I think Israel makes a good point about trying to find places of agreement and overlap um, because then it helps us to stop seeing Christianity as completely antithetical to progress. Um, there are things in which I think can be achieved in some of those areas that you've mentioned where Christians would be happy with um, developments. Kofi, do you have anything to add? I liked your answers. Cool. <laughs> That's it for well, me. In that way. <laughs> All right, well, in that case, um, we'll end the podcast here. It was a, um, a short and snappy one today, um, but we hope you guys um, enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Make sure you hit us up with your comments and your feedback. Let us know what you thought about the whole Tim Farron episode. Be sure to check out all our other episodes on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Like, subscribe, rate, tweet, all of the stuff that you do on social media. Bye.